that are projected, they're all also available with on a PDF file. And so that's available. But we talked about this and and remember we I, I was I was trying to encourage you to kind of pick one of these uh, four things. We talked about this living with the spirit. The spirit will will make us better people, make us more satisfied people, make us more purposeful, and the Holy Spirit will transform us. And if those are some things in your life that you're interested in, uh, which one of those things would, would you like? I suppose all of us would probably like all of these things. But maybe you're thinking, you know, I'd like to be a better person. I I was talking to uh, someone the other day, and I, maybe I reacted a certain way, and I, I'd sure like to be better than that. Or, you know, I was kind of grumbly uh, this week. I, I'd like to be a more satisfied person. You know, or I wake up in the morning, and I just don't know, you know, what life's all about. And uh, I'd, I'd like to have more purpose. And, and, or I'd like to be changed from the inside out. I'd like to grow as a Christian. Those are things that the Holy Spirit will do in us and for us as we seek the Spirit. Hallelujah. We don't, we don't always have to seek after those four things or others like them, but we seek after the Holy Spirit. He'll do that work. He'll do that work in us. He'll, and as, as you come close to God, those things will start falling into place. And God will speak to you about purpose. And, and he'll, he'll show you areas where you can be more grateful and, and on and on it goes. The Holy Spirit will, will help you in your life. Jesus, the, as a matter of fact, the Christian life, you know, you, you did choose Jesus. If you are here and you've given your life to Jesus Christ and, and you're a Christian, you, you made that choice. But you know you can't do that without the Holy Spirit? That's a miracle. If you chose to and lots of others... A lot of times they think, oh man, I wish there was more miracles. I'm with you on that. I would love to see a lot more miracles uh, in, in my world and in your world. We pray for you. We love you. We, uh, a lot of you are going through some hard things. And I, I really would love to see more miracles in your life and mine. But we have experienced miracles. God has already worked in us. If we've embraced Jesus, we're already a miracle. You began with the Spirit, so let's not try to finish on our own human effort. Amen? Amen. Come on, Jesus loves you. He left His Spirit. He left His Spirit for you, the Holy Ghost. Now, today we're going to be, excuse me, uh, today we're going to be talking about Haggai, and the theme of Haggai is all about the house of God and the temple, the rebuilding of the temple. And the story that's connected with Haggai is found in the book of Ezra. I mean, that, like pretty much the whole book, or half the book of Ezra. And last week was with Zechariah. It was focusing on the fact that the Holy Spirit is at work in all of this uh, building project of building the house. And today we're going to be talking about the fact that God wants us to make it a priority to, to build the house. But the the reason that the house is so important, and so if, if you're going to hear one thing, and it's only 11.30, I, I've got a little bit of time, I'm going to take it all, as I usually do. But if you hear this, you, 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 it, it, don't, don't stop listening, but if you do, at least you've heard this. Okay, this is what's really important. The reason God's so intent on his house is that he loves his people and he wants to have a place of fellowship with them. 
And in the Old Covenant, the only place that he manifested and, and actually had his presence was in the house of God. And now the Bible talks about this, and I'm going to be explaining why I'm saying these, these things. The church, you and I, are the house of God. We are God's temple. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And so as the church is strengthened, that's the reason God wants that to happen, is that he wants to have a place of fellowship with his people. And he loves you. He loves you. He knows who you are. He knows your name. He knows your address. Uh, he, he knows where, where you just moved to. Someone in here just moved this week. And, and uh, you know, God knows all about it. And he loves you. I, I think about that and I shake my head. You know, if I was God, I'm not so sure if I would love me or not. I'm so glad I'm not God. <laughs> God loves you. Why does he love you? Because he loves you. But why? It's because he loves you. God is love. That's just what he does. That's what he does. He's better than a golden retriever, you know? Like, he. If, if, you, if you lock your friend in the trunk for two days, when they get out, they'll be mad at you. If you, lock, if you lock your golden retriever in the trunk for a few days, when he gets out, he'll be so glad to see you, he'll be licking you. You know? Now, God is not a dog, and he's not a golden retriever, okay? Don't, don't start. Oh, don't, oh, Pastor Mike's teaching that God is like a dog. No. He loves you more than your dog does, okay? He loves you. He loves you more than your mother. He loves you. He loves you more than the most pleasant person you've ever met. God loves you more than that person. Amen. How's that? Am I okay? Are we all right? Okay. Okay, so I, I love this story. It means a lot to me uh, for a lot of reasons, which I don't have time to get into. But there was a king of Persia, an Iranian guy. And his name was Cyrus, and he had taken over and conquered Babylon. And uh, so Babylon is the ones that they, they took the Jews away from, from the land of Canaan and took them captive, and, and they were in Babylon for about 70 years. And then Babylon lost all their power. That was the Iraqis. And then so the Iranians came and took over, the Persians. And Cyrus was the king of Persia, and one of the first things he did it wasn't apparently, it wasn't just for Israel, but he did it for Israel. And that is, he said, I think it's time we, we got, let them go back to their land, and I'm going to help them build their temple. He gave them money, resources, permission to build, rebuild the temple. It's an amazing story when you think about it. Such a, you know, very, very uh, ungodly sort of people, you know, idolatrous, and they weren't, they weren't God's people, and yet they understood that there's a God in heaven somehow. It must have been a work. It must have been a miracle. In fact, it was. And so when Cyrus was king of Persia, he conquered Babylon, and that was about 539, the year 539 B.C. Uh, he allowed the exiles, uh, Jews to return home and rebuild the temple. I'm just going to read something to you real quick. One group returned the next year, completing and dedicating the temple foundation within two more years. But they were stopped by suspicious and resentful neighbors who had influence in the Persian court. And so it wasn't until 16 years later when King Darius took the throne that the prophet Haggai 
urge the people to restart their work. And that's what we're talking about today is Haggai's prophecies to restart their work. He calls specifically on a person named Zerubbabel, uh, the appointed governor, and Joshua, the high priest, to lead the project. Within four years, the reconstruction was completed and worship in the temple resumed. So now in the book of Haggai, there's four messages that are there. And so there's a picture of what Darius probably looked at. And, and there's, there's our buddy Cyrus. Um, and then that's the temple ruins. And um, it was literally ruined. They had torn the place apart under uh, the Babylonian Nebuchadnezzar. And, and so there was a lot of work to be done. So Haggai delivered his four messages during the strategic four-month period at the beginning of Darius' reign. And the first message explains, uh, chapter 2 is the second, third, and fourth messages. Second message gives encouragement to those who found the new temple disappointing. Uh, the, the third message assures the people that from now on they would be blessed. And the last message is a personal encouragement to Zerubbabel. I have to say that carefully. Uh, Zerubbabel himself, the heir to the throne of David. And uh, the people are back in their land, and so is God's blessing. That's just a couple of verses at the end there. And so you can see the, the timeline. And I, I was quite interested to see that right around this time of the year is when a lot of this happened. You know, it was the end of August when, when uh, uh, Haggai started prophesying, and it went into October and, um, and then into December. So it's right around this time. You know, we call it fall. I, I'm not sure what the weather's like there. It's probably somewhat similar, except a lot hotter, I guess. Um, so uh, that is that is uh, some background. So we're going to jump right into the book of Haggai. And there's really two main themes that I really felt like the Lord wanted us to think about today. And they all apply to us today. And that's uh, that's one of my desires is not just to give you the information about the book of Haggai, but I am giving you this so that when you read it, it kind of gives you a sense, okay, I kind of know what they're talking about here. Because some of these, you know, some of these minor prophets, they're a little complicated and they're a little cryptic. And it's good to figure out, pardon me, excuse me. It's good to uh, figure out what they're talking about. So on, on August the 29th, in the second year of King Darius' reign, uh, the Lord gave a message through the prophet. I'm reading from Haggai chapter 1 and verse 1. A message uh, through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel and to Joshua, the high priest. And this is verse 2. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says, the Lord of hosts. These people are saying that the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. And then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in uh, luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of hosts says. Give careful thought to your ways. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I like to be a positive person and I like to smile and and I like to be friendly. And when the prophet that we're reading, when he says it three times, I, I, have, to, I have to tell you, and I'm going to say it with a smile on my face, because that's just kind of the guy I am. I don't know if Haggai had a growl in his throat when he said it, 
I don't know what God's heart was. Well, God meant what exactly what he said. Give careful thought to how you're living. And so I know you came here to church to receive some hope and some inspiration, and I hope I can bring some of that to you. But part of it is a challenge to each and every one of us. God's house, his church, has a lot of work that needs to be done in it. And then, of course, it's hard. And, you know, with the church, I mean, you're not, you're not, working, with, you're not working with bricks and building materials. You're working with people. And, you know, I, I want to give you a prediction. If you have not been disappointed with anybody in the past six months, hang on, because you will be. And if you've never been disappointed from, by me, that's just because you don't know me and you haven't expected a whole lot from me. I promise, if you get to know me, I'll disappoint you. Not that I want to. But working with people is actually harder than working with building materials. You know, uh, uh, Richard there at the back, he, he is a, a bricklayer. Uh, that's not what he would call it. But he lays bricks and does all kinds of awesome stonework. And um, he's very talented. And uh, he's very fun to get to know as well. If you want to get to know somebody fun, talk to him because I'm grumpy. Anyway, he's told me a number of things about his job that are frustrating and I have not heard even one thing that he's frustrated about with bricks. It's always been about people. You know, the people that promise to deliver something, the people that promise to be somewhere, the people that promise to have something done, that's what's frustrating when he's frustrated. Now, he's not frustrated that much, but sometimes they, they, those things happen. And, you know, you know Don, Don works in construction, and so does Dale, and, and those guys, you know... The frustrations aren't so much about buildings as it is with, you know, city hall and permits and employees and getting place on even traffic, getting back and forth from different job sites. It's, it's, not about, it's not about the building materials. It's about people. And you and I, we are called to build the church. This is a gymnasium. And a lot of people think, oh, boy, I wish we lived or worshipped in a place that didn't have so much basketball stuff and volleyball stuff and you know, most of us like sports. Anybody watch tennis yesterday? Come on. You know, our life, our life has got all kinds of things. And, and actually, when we come, you know, when you go to church, it's not about a building. When you go to church, it's not about a time. Now, it's good to be on time for church. Let me just say that. <laughs> Hallelujah, Pastor Mike. Thanks for telling me that. Just in case you didn't know. Church starts at, uh, actually, a pre-service prayer is at 10. If you come, if you come late for pre-service prayer, that's okay, because church starts at 10.30. Anyway, it's not about a meeting. Church isn't, we say, oh, do you go to church? Yeah, I went to church. Well, where's your church? Okay, that's what we call it. But frankly, when the Bible's talking about the temple, it's talking about the church, it's talking about people. And, you know, you can't be part of building the church if you don't have any connection with people. You can have a connection with Jesus, but I, I just want to say this about, uh, about the church, okay? And we're going to be talking about the church more today. And, um, you know, a lot of times people say, well, I, I, you know, I just love Jesus, but I'm not so sure about the church. 
Okay, so so guys, if I said to you, you know, I, I really like you, but I don't want to have anything to do with your wife. She just annoys me. How would that go with us, Ralph? Come on. How would that? That would not be good. He's very gentle, but he would all of a sudden, the adrenaline would start cooking in his spirit, in his body, I should say, not his spirit. It would affect his spirit. Wives, same thing. You know, you're, you're, someone talks about your husband, you know, you can go, yeah, I know, I'm mad at him too, but you don't, don't you talk about that. Don't you say that about my husband. Come on. And Jesus loves his church. And if you want Jesus, you better think about his wife a little bit. Come on. We want, we want to be okay with God, but we're not so sure about those people. Listen, it's a little messy because, you know, if you find a perfect church, don't join it, right? Because you'll spoil it. <laughs> but we're here and we love God. and We're trying to be a safe place, a safe environment for you to get to know Jesus. And, uh, and it's not through us. It's not through the church. But Jesus does love his church, and it's where he plans to be. And the, the, the thing is this. You know, I, it's just me and Jesus, and it's my house, and i got to look after my family. And, yes, you do need to look after your family. But we also need to realize that God has a house. God has a place that he's interested in, and that's his house. And so these folks, you know, they had they had some really good reasons. You know, they had been traveling. They first of all, it had been seventy years since they had lived in the promised land. Right? That's a long time. That's a, you know, we call it a life. We'd call it a lifetime, pretty much. And uh, so it was unfamiliar territory. They came into a place where people, other people, had been living for seventy years. They weren't happy to see them. And then they were going to, uh, who knows whatever they were doing in, in, in Babylon, but they come to the, the new land, they have to grow crops, they, and, then, and then they have to learn how to build this temple. They, you know, those are big stones, and it was, it was a big deal, and, and it was not easy. And then what happened was the people that were there, they knew what it was, it was important, and they, they thought they were serving God, but they weren't. But so they offered to help, but then the people of Israel said, "No, you can't do that because you're, you know, you're serving idols as well as what you think is our God." And so, sorry, you don't belong. You aren't really okay. So that really did great for the neighbors. And so one thing led to another, and they ended up they had to stop the building project, and that's what they kind of had. That was their purpose. It was really awkward. It was really bad. And they had reasons. They had, they had officials. They had armies. They had neighbors. Everybody's trying to get them to stop, and they ended up stopping. And it had been a number of years. And like I said, they had good reason. And a lot of times, you know, we think, well, I've got good reason for not wanting to build in the church. You know, I've had this and that have happened. And I, I can't argue with you. These guys had good reason, too. And I and Haggai comes up to them and he, by the word of the Lord he says, "Are you sure it's time?" You know, you say, "Well, it's not time. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not God's timing right now. I'll just wait a while and I'll build my house and I'll make my situation okay, so I can be happy and and my family can be good and everybody can be safe in in my little world." 
and I and Haggai says, you know, you say it's not time to build the house of the Lord, but what about the time it's taking you to build your house? Think about what does he say? Give careful thought to your ways. And so I'm just asking. You know, I'm the pastor, so I have to ask this. So give careful thought to your ways. Are you, are you earnest about the bride of Christ, the house of God? Are you, is that something on your radar? Or is it all about your house? Is it time just for your house? Or is it time also to build the house of the Lord? That's a right in your face. But we're going through these problems. I have to be faithful to the word, right? This is, this is where, this is where churches, they don't always like everything in the Bible. They start, oh, I don't like, don't like that one. I don't like this one. Pretty soon they're taking out the resurrection and then the virgin birth and, and then the, uh, you know, the authority of scripture. Pretty soon it's just about, well, that's a nice book. But that's not who we're about. What we're about is the Word of God. And, and if you think, you know, if you think, well, maybe I'm taking things too far, you can go ahead and read it and pray about it. And if you really want to talk about it, I'm willing to talk about it. But the Lord says again in verse 7, Give careful thought to your ways. Now go up to the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. And I, I put a little bracket here. I'm not adding to the Scripture. I'm just putting a bracket here in my notes, okay? It's not scripture. Get busy. God says, think about it. (laughs) Think about what's going on here. You're needed. Get busy. You know, don't just think about your own place. Think about God's place as well. Now, I, I have sympathy for those folks because they had a lot of reasons. They had a lot of stuff going on. And uh, they they needed to to look after those things. They had a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of reason to not be building the house. They had human uh, opposition. There was you know spiritual opposition as well. There's a spiritual battle going on in your world. You know, I, there's there's a God who loves you, and we talk about the God who loves you. God knows you. I talk about this. He even knows your pin number. You know. When you go to the ATM, just ask him. He'll tell you. He knows you and he loves you. And there's a devil who hates your guts and he's working hard to destroy you. The devil knows your name too. And if you say, well, I, you know, I really, he probably doesn't because I'm really not very spiritual or whatever you think. Devil don't care. He just wants to hurt everybody. He wants to hurt you, believe me. The thief comes to steal kill, and destroy. That's what he does. That's, that's his job, in a way. That's, his, that's just the way he is. But Jesus says, I've come that you can have life to the full. Amen. There was opposition. There was government policies. There was discouragement. There was rejection. There was an issue around priorities. There was all, all kinds of stuff working against this building project. But God says, listen, now's the time. Think about it. Let's get busy. Let's get to work. Wow. So in the New Testament, the temple, the house of God, I'm just going to really quickly go through about six scriptures, I think it is. 1 Corinthians 3, it says, All of you together are the temple of God, that the Spirit lives in you. 
even your own personal body in 1 Corinthians 6. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, wherever you go, you're taking the Holy Spirit. Whatever you're reading, you're taking the Holy Spirit. Whatever you're watching, you're taking the Holy Spirit with you. Uh, that's good news. Ephesians chapter 2, it says that, that the whole building is joined together. That's people joined together, uh, becoming a holy temple in the Lord. And, and through him, even the outsiders. Do you feel like an outsider even in your own church, even in this church? Listen, even the outsiders, that's the Gentiles. It says uh, even, even them are also being made part of this dwelling. You are part of the picture. It's it. This this is for you. This is for everyone. This is not just for the people that are like the the regular people. It's for everybody. I'm one of the most irregular of all the people in this church. I I can talk about that, but I belong, and so do you. Amen. First Timothy three. It says that the church is the living God. the uh, The household of God is the church. Okay, the house of God is the church. Hebrews three six talks about um, the fact that we are God's house. I wanted to leave this one out because I don't like it. I'm just being honest. But I can't leave it out just because I don't like it, can I? Not if I'm going to be faithful to what you're expecting or God's expecting. God has called me to preach the word. God has set me apart to do this. And so I have to be faithful. And it says here, we are God's house if we keep, if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. So I'm not even sure what happens if we don't. I'm not, I don't even want to go there. But our courage and our confidence is in the Lord, not in ourselves. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And it, like Graham said, it, what was that four-syllable word you used? It's, uh, it doesn't matter. Irrelevant. <laughs> Thank you very much. How we feel about it is kind of irrelevant, and how I feel about it is kind of irrelevant, but we are all in this together, and Jesus has left his Holy Spirit behind so that we can get things done and, and work it out together. I love this scripture. I'm going to take a, take a little bit slower on this one because I like it. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Okay, so you're a part of this. Well, I don't want to be a part. I just want to do my own thing. Okay, that's what you want, but this is what God is doing. Okay, God is building you into his holy temple. And if you're out of place, if you're not in place, you're out of place. I know that's really deep. Should I say that again? If you're not in place, you're out of place. Okay, what's more, what's more, you are his holy priests through the mediation of Jesus Christ to offer up spiritual sacrifices that please God. And that's what we do. We offer up spiritual sacrifices, sacrifice of praise, even our finances, our life, our passion. Talk about this next theme in, in Haggai, and it's the second message. It's found in Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. And what, here's the story. A lot of these people, the older ones, they had seen Solomon's temple before it got destroyed. It was a pretty majestic place. Lots of gold, lots of cedar. It was, it was uh, stones, stones that were quarried off-site, and they came, and then they fit together perfectly. And if they didn't, they would take them off-site again and fix them. 
they wouldn't do the work on site because it was a special, such a special place. Solomon's temple was majestic. It was amazing in the natural. In the spiritual, it was pretty amazing as well because the glory of the Lord came when they dedicated it, and it was so powerful. The Holy Spirit came. It was such a powerful move. They couldn't even stand up to, to, to do the things they were supposed to do. It was amazing. They were overwhelmed by the presence of the Lord. And so this building pro- project is going on with all this ragtag group of people that had been in, in bondage for 70 years, and they came, they came back, and they're doing this building. And, and they, finished, they finished the foundation work. And, you know, foundations, you know how they look. They're, they're a little bit, you know, nondescript. Very, very important. But the people, they started getting, the, they blew trumpets. The worship team started up. They were, having a, they were having a party. And they're all excited. They finished the foundation. It's so awesome. And then the old ones that had seen the, the previous temple, they're looking at this thing and they're going, this is pathetic. Literally, they were weeping and wailing. Now, I haven't ever been there, but maybe you've seen or, or been in a situation where the, the, East, the people from, from uh, the Near East and the Middle East and how they, the sounds that they make at, like at funerals and they just yell out their, their anguish. And so there haven't, there's some people that are like partying. They're so excited. They say, the Lord is good. His love is yours forever. And they're all excited. And then the other people that were disappointed in what's going on here, they're wailing and loud. And it's like this din that could be heard for miles. You can read about that in the book of Ezra. So Haggai, he says, this is a message for you. Does anyone remember this house, this temple, in its former splendor? How, in all comparison, does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. But now the Lord says, here's what the Lord says. A lot of times people come in here in this, this building on Sunday and they think, oh, wow, you know, look at that. Look at, look at this. Look at that. Look at that. those drapes. And look at all this stuff, all these banners and how messy it is. I walk in here pretty much disappointed every week. This doesn't look nice to me. <laughs> but we're doing the best we can with what we got. And that's a long story. But, you know, this is, this is what he says. Be strong, all you people, and get to work, for I'm with you. Build the house. It's not about the stuff. Build the house, says the Lord. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised. My spirit remains among you. I think, oh, God, thank you for your Holy Spirit. That's about all we got here in this church. And I think that's good. We're going to do better. It's going to get better. Uh, Matt and Tanya are coming, our new pastors, uh, associate pastors. They're going to add a whole other dimension. It's going to be so awesome. I cannot wait. And then God goes on to say this, I will shake all the nations and all the treasures of the nations will be brought to this house. And look at this. I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And I want to tell you about the glory. The glory was so massive in King Solomon's day when he built that temple. But Jesus Christ himself came to that temple that they rebuilt. The glory of God as found in Jesus. And you know, it wasn't actually that sort of impressive on the outside. But the mighty creator of heaven and earth 
the Savior of the world, came to that temple. And the Apostle John, he says, he says that uh, uh, the Word became human and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And last but not least, in, in Haggai, there's the blessing of Almighty God. And he's, he says, think, think about this. Think carefully. It's quite interesting. He would say this. Think carefully. You know, you haven't even barely got started. You haven't planted your crops yet. The seeds are still in the barn. You're still barely starting. And here's my word for you. And this is what we can receive if we're going to, if we're going to, if we're going to, be part of that building of the house and value the house because the king of glory lives within us and lives within our church and the presence of God is here and we understand the glory of the Lord. He says, think about this. You're barely getting started. You haven't had your harvest yet. Things haven't worked out. But from this day onward, from this day forward, I think I need you to go number 10 is what I'm looking for. Uh, slide number 10. Think carefully. I'm giving you a promise now. From this day forward, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. Now, you may find yourself, as Dr. Beverly said earlier, you may find yourself with all kinds of stuff going on, but God has a plan for you. God has an intention for you, and God has a heart for you. He says, I'm going to bless you. I am going to bless you. You do your part. You build as... um, you build his house, he'll build your house, okay? God will look after you, put the kingdom of God first. And I just want to close with this wonderful scripture from John. It says, from his abundance, we have all received one glorious, gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is God himself, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Think about it. You have the Holy Spirit within you. Jesus has revealed the Father to you, and God's going to bless you. You can do that. Let's all stand together. The kids, the, the, the alarm just went off. Time to quit, Pastor Mike. We love kids, even noisy ones. We do. You know what? I'm so grateful for parents that bring their kids to church. I'm serious. I know what it did in my life, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a wonderful sound. Look at that, Daddy. Way to go. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We love each other. We love your word, and we love your house. And I want to give careful thought to my ways. And, Lord, I, I want to put you first. I want to put your, your kingdom first. And, I want to do my part where I'm, I'm meant to uh, be part of building the house of the Lord because I believe in the glory of the Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that you come and fill us new and fresh each and every day. And um, Lord, as, as we're just having this moment right now, I, I just pray that you'll speak to our hearts and Lord, give us courage. Give us encouragement. Lord, give us direction. Help us, Lord, to really receive your word today in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. So thank you so much for being here. Now, we do have people that will pray with you after the service. And uh, we have coffee on if you'd like to uh, talk to some folks. But let's, let's, uh, let's hold on to the word of the Lord. And let me just give you a blessing, if I may. Okay? I, I'm, just, I'm just a person, but God has called me here. So in the name of the Lord, I bless you. May the Lord bless you, and, and, and may he cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you and give you peace and joy and long-suffering and kindness. And, and may your life be filled with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here today.